Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast, and we have a huge show for you all today. We are talking football across the board. We got a loaded week two college football slate. Going to be breaking down all the major storylines and action heading into week two. Then we got NFL week one preview with games all over the country to cover. Football's fully back, Gavin, and I can't be more excited, man. Couldn't be more excited, Jasper. It's week week two for college football, week one for NFL. Um, as we're recording this, actually, we are about uh, 10 hours from kickoff. And, man, Chiefs-Lions going to be a good one. Uh, like you said, football all across the board and plenty to talk about. Oh, yeah. So let's jump into college football first here. Major storylines heading into week two. There's lots of games to watch this weekend. Headlined by a rematch between Bama and Texas. Then we got a top 25 battle by with two teams down in the south and Tulane and Ole Miss up in the SIP. But let's start with this most intriguing matchup down in North Carolina, where Notre Dame will be playing uh, paying a visit to the NC State Wolfpack. Now, Notre Dame has looked impressive through two weeks against the lesser opponents, Gavin, but they run into their first true test this weekend against the Wolfpack squad. They look pretty decent in week one. Yeah, they look fine. They got a 24-14 win against UConn. Uh, UConn is you know, not exactly a college football powerhouse. They still remain a basketball school. Um, but NC State, if there's one thing they bring, it's a defense year in, year out. And I know we've talked a lot about this Notre Dame offense being quite formidable, or so it seems, for the first two weeks. Uh, they haven't gotten a test yet, and this is their first real test with an NC State defense that will challenge Sam Hartman and company. So I'm looking forward to the Irish and what their offense can do. The defense will be fine. They'll win this game hand- handedly, um, but Sam Hartman, I want to I want to continue to see him take steps forward. Yeah, Sam, especially against the Wolfpack defense that held the Huskies just under 113 yards last weekend. Um, another thing to look out for is Brennan Armstrong in this game. He did not excel through the air, but he ha- weirdly had a great game on the ground, rushing for 96 yards and two scores. We'll see how the um, Notre Dame defense can handle him if he busted outside, as we saw they struggled with that a little bit against Navy. Yeah, all eyes in the Irish for me, though. NC, I mean, they'll win this game. If NC State keeps it close, I'll be genuinely surprised. Yeah, same here. I expect Hartman and Estine to run this team right out of the building. The next game we're going to look at this weekend is our Badgers traveling to Pullman for revenge against Washington State. Now, the Badgers are officially on upset watch heading into this week after last week's poor performance. Even scarier, Cam Ward looked really good for over in Wazoo with 451 yards in the air and three scores, and along with one on the ground. Gav, what are we feeling in this game? I'm feeling like this is a statement game opportunity for the Badgers. We bring in Luke Fickle in the offseason. We get Tanner Mordecai through the transfer portal. Phil Longo comes in and says, we're going to run a freaking air raid offense. This is the chance to make that statement. Hey, let's come out, let's fire, and let's not look back. This game for Wisconsin cannot be close. If it's a close one, I'm going to have serious concerns for our team moving forward. I want to see our offense come out firing, stay hot the whole game, and keep this thing uh, as a two-possession game for the entire way. I'm right there with you. If there was ever a game for the Badger air raid to take off, this is the one. But it had better happen because I'm riding with Cam Ward in a shootout, especially with our secondary. Yeah, yeah. The drop passes like we had last week against Buffalo aren't going to cut it. Um, and the slow first half is also not going to cut it. If we come out slow like that, uh, playing catch-up against Wazoo is not a battle you want to be in. That would not be fun. Jumping over to some of the bigger games on the slate, and we start with Utah traveling to Waco to take on the Baylor, Baylor Bears. Now, the Bears got upset by Texas Te- Texas State last week at home after Drew Shapin went down with the MCL injury, but they still have one of the best running backs rooms in the country with Dominic Richardson and Richard Reese. 
Both teams are without their starting quarterbacks this weekend. Bryson Barnes, who, Gavin, I didn't know this until after the game. He wasn't even a scholarship player for the Utes until he beat Florida. Now we're talking about Stetson Bennett case here or what? Oh, yeah, man. We might be talking about Stetson Bennett case. He goes up against Mississippi's shape transfer Sawyer Robinson, taking over for shape and while he's on the injured list. Similar to last week's matchup, though, with Utah and Florida, Florida, uh, I expect this game to be all about who can take advantage of the trenches. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the line here. It opened up at Baylor minus one and a half and was shaping going down. It's now Utah by over a touchdown at seven and a half. Cam Rising still day to day. This is his first week of practice without any limitations. He is practicing fully, um, but I do not expect him to play this week. Kyle Whittingham doesn't talk a lot about injuries, but based on what I've been reading, um, I think it's going to be another week with no Cam Rising for the Utes. Also another week with no Brent Keithy. And we talked about how that affects Utah offense. They looked horrible last week. I don't want to hear about, you know, them scoring 24 points. Their offense scored 10 points. They got another seven because Florida trotted out two guys were in the same freaking number. And another seven because Graham Mertz's dumbass threw a pick in his own 10-yard line. That's how they scored 24 points. The defense looked great. They're flying all over the field. Again, it's not that hard to look great against a shit Florida offense. But they held that running game in check. And that running game is something that we talked about for Florida being a huge positive for the team. So similar to what we expected in the Florida game and what we saw in the Florida game, I expect more smash mouth football. Like you mentioned, we got backup QBs on both teams. Sawyer Robinson, he's not going to pose the uh, you know the same running threat that, say, Nate Johnson will on Utah. He's going to be a, a better Grant Mertz. He's six feet, four inches tall, a pure pocket passer, He's got some decent receivers to throw the ball to, but I expect both teams to focus on the ground game and see who can win in the trenches. Exactly. And as I said, maybe we see one of these QBs emerge, but I really don't expect this happening. I think no team really has a clear edge here. Give me the under in this one. This game will be like 19 to 13. You're you're stealing my picks, Jeff. We'll get there soon. But yeah, this is gonna be yeah, this is gonna be a game in the trenches. Absolutely. Jumping over to the another big matchup this week, and that is Nebraska at Colorado with Dion making his home debut in Boulder. And I know you're excited about this one, Gavin, so I'm going to give you the floor here. Yeah, I'm excited because like like we talked about uh, on Tuesday, we didn't give Dion and, and Coach Prime their light of day. I thought that was fair. Clearly, I was wrong. Um, however, another overreaction here on the line movement. Nebraska opened up at an eight and a half point favorite. It's now Colorado minus three. We're talking about an 11-point swing. I mean, Colorado gave up 42 points last week. I, I know they scored 45, but guess what? This Nebraska defense is head and shoulders better than TCU's. It's Coach Prime's home debut. I expect the Buffaloes to come out firing, come out hyped, come out excited, looking to win for their head coach. However, I think 59.5 points where this line set at is way too much. Um, another game that I believe will be more physical than people give any credit for. Uh, Shadour is great. Travis Hunter is great. They got the excitement factor. But I think people are writing off this Nebraska team way too early. We talked about Jeff Sims' struggles taking care of the football last week. It'll be much easier to do that against a far or far more lackluster Colorado defense. Yeah. I, I don't want to shit on Dion after just, you know, giving him his flowers this week. But, like, I, I don't know, man. I, I find it hard to believe this Colorado team comes back and handles Nebraska with these. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, obviously, the big story for Nebraska in this game is Jeff Sims needs to take care of the football. We know what their defense can do. I mean, they held a Minnesota offense that we were both pretty high on coming into the season to just 14 points. So, I mean, a lot of people like Colorado to pull away in this game, and I think they will eventually, but they got to stop the run and capitalize on mistakes, especially if Jeff Sims makes those mistakes. I like the Buffs to win in this one just because I think Folsom Field is going to be a hellish environment for the Cornhuskers, but... I really don't know. As you said, I mean, the Buffs just didn't play defense last week. Yeah, yeah, and Nebraska did. And that's kind of where, where my mind is at is, you know, I want to believe in Coach Prime. I want to believe in the Buffs. They're a fun team to root for. But I might be back in Matt Rule this weekend because, simply put, Nebraska's got the experience factor and they've got the physicality factor, which I like a lot in this game. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, I mean, Colorado's offense is just so explosive. They could run up the foot, they could run up the score on anyone. But I mean, I really, yeah, you're right. I don't see this game becoming a shootout. No, and you know, I, I think we've said this a couple times in the pod now, this exact phrase. I hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong. But you know, I I'm gonna have to back Nebraska for the time being. Absolutely. And another Pac-12 matchup we got to keep our eyes on this weekend. It's Oregon at Texas Tech. Now, I know our Red Raiders let us down last week, but they got the chance to bounce back here in a big way. Tyler Shows takes on his former team in Oregon, who put up a whopping 81 points on Portland State last week. Now, I'm not going to give up on Texas Tech, this Texas Tech team, after just one loss in a hostile environment down in Laramie. And here's why I expect them to at least cover this 7.5-point spread, if not give Oregon a run for their money. Tyler Show played really well against Wyoming. He looked like the guy we expected all preseason. They defended the pass really well. They held Wyoming to just 149 yards, which is going to be key in stopping Bo Nix. One big concern for me with Texas Tech team, though, in this game is penalties. They had seven last Saturday. If they can limit those, they'll put themselves in a much better position to stifle this Ducks offense. You said penalties, penalties, penalties. And guess what? They're at home this week. That's going to play a huge factor. We talked about how difficult it is to go into Laramie, Wyoming and win a football game, and that showed. It's equally difficult to come into Lubbock and win a football game. Everybody is writing off this Texas Tech team. Oh, they lost to Wyoming. They must suck. But you mentioned it. Showtime played well. They stopped the pass pretty well, which is going to bode well for uh, this matchup with Bo Nix. And Oregon didn't get a test last week. They played Portland State, who is abysmal. They dropped 81 points on their head. And now they're coming in here thinking they're going to steamroll the Red Raiders. I don't think so. We saw last week, we talked about how tough it is to go on the road early in the season against an opponent who, you know, isn't necessarily top tier, but certainly a tough out. Uh, we saw that with Ohio State, with Indiana, uh, Clemson with Duke, obviously, and Texas Tech with Wyoming. I see a lot of similarities here. Oregon having to go into Texas, play the Red Raiders on their turf, um, against an offense that can score some points in a defense that I expect to do well against the pass. Um, this is another game where I feel like people are too high on one team, and I'm excited to see Texas Tech really come in and shut people up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Oregon is getting so much love because of how much they ran up that score in Portland last week. But let's take a step back and remember that Portland State is an FCS team, as you said. You're damn right Oregon ran up 81 on them. I'd be upset if they didn't. So... This is a this is obviously a different game if both teams come in here one to know, but unfortunately the Red Raiders just got unlucky. Regardless, it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I, I could see the Red Raiders covering in this one. Yeah, and a sneaky money line play too. But I mean, as you mentioned, I the, the, the eighty one points. I'm not even going to 
I, I'm not even going to think about that because we're used to this Oregon offense scoring. We know they're going to score. They didn't get tested. Portland State, I mean, you, you could trot out 11, 11 Gavin Bowman's on offense and 11 Jaspers on defense, and we would score 81 on Portland State. It's fucking ridiculous. So I'm not taking any stock in it. Um, this game is going to be close, and people don't think it is, but it's going to be close. Yeah, it's going to be a fun matchup heading this Saturday. Speaking of fun matchups, though, we got to get into the big games of the week, starting with number 20 Ole Miss at number 24 Tulane. Here we got a matchup between two hungry teams. On the one hand, you have Ole Miss, who saw what happened to LSU last week and is ready to make their push to win the West. On the other hand, you have Tulane, who comes in the season as the favorite out of the group of five teams to get back to a New Year's Six Bowl. What are you liking in this game, Gav? I am loving Tulane, and I find myself – I, I, I struggle to say that because I want to take Ole Miss. But um, first of all, there's going to be points scored in this game. We know that. The over is currently at 66 and a half. That's just so many freaking points. Um, but I'll start with what I saw last week from both teams. First of all, for Ole Miss, uh, Jackson Dart solidified himself as the starter. I know we talked in, in our preview about that being one of the weirdest quarterback battles in the country with Spencer Sanders also being there. Um, but Jackson Dart came in. He played well. He played efficient. He threw, he ran, and he slid himself as the Rebel starter. On the flip side, Michael Pratt, what, what can you say about this guy? Tulane star quarterback, phenomenal play from him last week as well. Um, I know we talked about week one tests and really, you know, seeing how the offenses perform. Ole Miss dropped 73 on Mercer. Again, I'm not taking any stock in that. Mercer is basically an FCS, an FCS school. Um, it's similar to Oregon. We expect Ole Miss to score some points, and they did. Love that. On the flip side, Tulane, while it might not seem on paper like South Alabama's a test, is a much bigger test than Mercer. They're decent. The Jaguars have a decent defense. So to see Tulane score 37 points was a pleasant, pleasant, pleasant thing to see. Additionally, you go to the defense side of the football, Tulane sacked the quarterback five times last week. Jackson Dart had what seemed like 12 seconds to throw the football every single time he dropped back against Mercer. That's not going to be the same thing this week. Again, Tulane was tested last week, albeit, you know, to an extent by South Alabama, Ole Miss was not. And I do believe that plays a factor, especially with the game being in Tulane this weekend. I like that. I like that a lot, but I still think Ole Miss kind of has the edge here. They're going to be the most more explosive team in the running game. And I still I still really buy that this defense did get better. I know they didn't really get tested last week, but I think they're going to be the more aggressive unit of the line of scrimmage. They also, I think, are going to protect the football a lot better than South Alabama. Tulane forced five turnovers against the Jaguars, and I don't think the Rebel offense is going to do that. I like Tulane to make this game very close, though. You mentioned them getting after the quarterback. We're going to really see what Jackson Dart is made of if if they can get past that offensive line and cause some trouble in the backfield. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the uh, Ole Miss defense getting better. I agree with you there. I think we both agreed this, you know, during our preview that this defense could be a little bit scarier this year. They can get after the quarterback too. Those linebackers are very good. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw um, a game where we expect to see points and we will, but come slightly under that point total just simply because both defenses can cause some more havoc than maybe Vegas is giving them credit for yeah, I think 67 is too many points in this game, but you're absolutely right. I think I just think this is a statement game for Ole Miss. I mean, obviously, I talked about it before, but you see what, like, you saw LSU struggle last week. You don't really know what the Aggies are made of as much as we love them. And then you don't know what Bam, like, there were so many questions after last week's week schedule that I think Ole Miss is really going to try and make a statement in this game that, hey, we're here and we want to be in the mix for this West. 
They're going to have to. And it sounds like we may be on opposite sides this game. I just simply hate taking uh, <laughs> I, I, I hate taking road favorites at a touchdown, especially against a very good two-lane team. Um, but, hey, I could be wrong. Hope I'm wrong because I love Lane Kiffin and I love Hottie Toddy. Oh, yeah. No, from a gambling standpoint, I'm not touching this game. But just as an analyst, I'm, I'm giving the edge to Ole Miss here. I, I, I tend to agree. However, I do love Tulane being at home. I love Michael Pratt. And I love that defense causing some pressure uh, on Jackson Dart. So, you know what? Screw it. For the content, I'm going to side with Tulane here. If they're going to win this football game, best of luck to you, Jasper. Best of luck to you as well, Gav. Jumping over to your game of the year, though. We got number three, <laughs> Texas A&M, take it on the Miami Hurricanes at Hard Rock. And I'm going to give you the floor once again here to break down this matchup because this could be – this is a battle of two of your favorite teams. Oh, probably my – I don't think it's two of my favorite. These are my two favorite teams of the year. I truly think Texas A&M has college football playoff ceiling, and I, I I believe in Mario Cristobal. Please don't let me down, Mario. That's all I'm asking. Um, first of all, the line movement on this game is wild. Uh, it opened up at Texas A&M uh, over a touchdown, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. It's down to three-and-a-half. Um, I don't know what to think about that. I do understand Miami's at home, and that plays a huge factor. Um, but Miami – they looked fine last week. They didn't look great. The offensive line did not look cohesive whatsoever. Way too many false start penalties. And, I, it, you know, on, on paper, they held Miami of Ohio to three points. But they stopped them on fourth down in Miami, Florida territory, I think, three or four times. So that three points could have been a lot more had those fourth down conversions gotten through. On the flip side, Texas A&M scored 52 points last week. Now, I know I just talked about Mercer and Portland State not being tests and don't put too much stock in how many points teams are scoring. Take stock in this one, and here's why. Texas A&M did not score 20, 28 points, 28 points against anybody last year until they played LSU in the season finale. They scored 52 last week. That is a huge deal, especially with new offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino, um, especially considering how efficient Connor uh, Wigman was. 236 yards, five touchdowns. Incredible efficiency. This was an absolute offensive explosion last week. What this game comes down to, Jasper, is how well that Texas A&M front four can handle the Miami rushing attack. And I know we talked about during our SC preview, this Texas A&M season comes down to their front four. This team was built around the front four. They're all five stars, but they haven't played like them. It's time for them to step up. Well, guess what? Now is the time because Miami won last week based on their rushing attack, controlling the tempo battle, and short to mid-range passes. AM, it's time for your front four to step up. And if they do, they win this game easily. If they don't, Miami at home is going to cause them some problems. I'm right there with you. I think this offense last week, you talked about efficiency. It wasn't only the efficiency. It was how fast they scored these points. Like mm-hmm. every receiver only had like five receptions, and it was crazy how fast they were able to get down the field. This team looked explosive. And that's why I like Texas A&M in this game, mostly because I think if Miami falters at all, they're going to run up the score quick. And Tyler Van Dyke did not look good. At, granted, he looked better, but he did not look good enough to hang with Connor Wegman if he's playing at that level. Now, I know I love, like you mentioned, the Texas A&M front four. They have to stop the run. Henry Parrish ran all over the field last week. But I think another big key in this game, both teams struggled with penalties last week. We talked about Miami's struggle in the O-line position. 
My worry with this team is that they continue, that continues, especially against the dangerous Aggie defensive front. I like the Aggies in this game, but I can see if this game, like if, if Texas A&M defense stumbles at all, I can see this game being a lot closer. I still like the Aggies to win this game handedly. We're going to find out very, very, very early in this game, which way it's going to go. Um, because as you mentioned, Texas A&M is going to look for the explosiveness. They're going to want to get the ball down the field quick. They're going to want to get the offense out there quicker uh, or get the defense off the field, obviously. Um, but Miami on the flip side is going to want to control the tempo game. They're going to want to ground and pound, hit these short to mid-range passes and keep their defense on the sidelines. If this game is a slow tempo ground and pound game, Miami's going to win. There's no way around that. If it's a explosive uh, up-tempo shootout, it won't be a shootout. It will be a Texas A&M blowout down there in Miami. Absolutely. And we're going to have to see how Texas A&M faces, faces adversity, which is going to be a big test for them this season because, obviously, they faced adversity all of last season and did not respond well. Correct. Correct. All right, Gavin, here we go. Texas at Bama on the road, and I am still riding with the Longhorns in this one. Ewers looked as advertised against that Rice squad last week. He used all his weapons effectively. Look for Xavier Worry to tear up this Alabama secondary, especially with the injury concerns heading into after week one. And I know you think Bama has the more complete team in the trenches, but I think the Longhorns held their own. Granted, it was against Rice, but regardless, both the defensive and offensive front looked good in the opening week. Bama is going to be good, though. Don't get me wrong. Milrow looked good, but the comparisons to Jayla Hurts after one game against Tennessee State, ridiculous. I'm going to die on the this hill this weekend. Give me the Longhorns on the road. Hook them, baby. <laughs> Jasper, there's nothing that the, the college football fan loves more than seeing Nick Saban lose. But guess what? I had this in our agenda here. Um, I read it in an article. I have no caps. Bad things happen when Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide feels underappreciated. And that's how they feel right now. They feel vehemently underappreciated. I know you said Texas, you know, can give them a shot in the trenches. I'm, I'm sternly against you there. Bama is going to dominate in the trenches. Uh, the one area of concern that I have with Bama, and you bring it up, is that secondary. It was already weak to begin with. Now injury concerns make it even weaker. There's, there's no question about this. Texas is going to throw the football. If they're going to win this game, they're going to throw it. They have weapons all over the field. Quinn Ewers, veteran quarterback, very strong arm. Um, that's where they're going to give this Bama defense trouble. They're not going to win in the trenches. Bama key to the game, hold on to the football, and do not commit penalties. This is very similar to this A&M Miami game that we just broke down. If this game is up-tempo, fast-paced, explosiveness, Texas may very well win this game. If this is a ground-and-pound win-in-the-trenches game, Texas is going to be in for a long night down there in Tuscaloosa. And that's the other thing. Down there in Tuscaloosa. Brian Denny is going to be rocking. It is never easy to win in there. I know you're dying on that hill for Longhorns. And I respect that. But I cannot go against Nick Saban any longer. Bama wins this game handedly, in my opinion. Um, it's a trenches football game. I'm not exactly sold on Jalen Milrow. He, first of all, he's nowhere near Jalen Hurts. He didn't even throw for 200 last week. Let's calm down there. Uh, he was great running, but was not throwing the football. Um, Bama took cover, although I don't like it, especially at seven and a half. But they make this game physical. They don't commit penalties. They hold on to the ball, and they make Texas endure a grueling night at Brian Denny. 
And I could absolutely be wrong about this game. And that's why I prepared the I'm dying on this hill thing. But my ace in the hole here is CJ Baxter. I'd mentioned it during the Big 12 preview. This is going to be the CJ Baxter game where he comes out and he runs all over this Alabama squad. I don't think Texas is going to win by a lot of points, but I still like them in a close one, especially with their ability to take on the secondary if they need to in the fourth quarter. Oh, you know, I, I I I can see it happening. I can see it happening. I just I I I cannot fade Nick Saban. Um, you know, come come Monday or Tuesday when we record our our, our recap, one of us is getting flowers, and we'll love to see who it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I am not touching this game from a betting standpoint. I am <laughs> once again rooting as a fan. All right, speaking of betting though, we got to jump into our picks for the week. And my first for the weekend, Gav. Vanderbilt plus 10 versus Wake Forest. That's just too many points for a Demon Deacon squad against a Vandy squad that has been able to score the football well through the first two weeks of play. Sure, sure. Don't hate that at all. Honestly, hadn't even uh hadn't even considered that in my in my evaluation, also, simply because two teams that, you know, they play in power five conferences, but not necessarily your your first look when betting. Um first of all, we should recap our, our picks from last week real quick. Current record on the season, nine and three. We went five and one in week two, four and two last week. Uh, Texas AM let you down. The over in the Carolinas game let me down. However, we drilled Cal. We drilled Miami. Um, we drilled what else we drill? Oh my God, you hit something else. Fresno State, baby. Fresno State, great pick there. Um, and Duke. I mean, freeze air there. That was that was never, never in question. So uh great stuff from us. Pat ourselves on the back there, nine and three on the year. Your first pick is Vanderbilt. My first pick, you stole off me earlier. Under 47 in this Utah Baylor game. Uh Utah, Florida was 44. I don't, I simply don't understand how this this total is higher than that Utah, Florida game. Uh I, I mean, I guess Baylor's offense is slightly more explosive than Florida's, and Cam Rising hasn't been ruled out yet. But this this is going to be an identical game to what we saw last week in the Utah, Florida game. Under 47, it shouldn't even sniff that number. Take it, forget about it, cash it on Monday. Absolutely. Jumping over to my next game of the week, Kansas minus three. Now, you know I love the Jayhawks and Jalen Daniels. Last week, or this week, he's set to return against an Illini defense that did not look good in week one against Toledo. They gave up 30-plus points to a matching team. I expect this team to run up the score on the on the, on the Illinois. Give me Jalen Daniels' Heisman season. I was looking at that. I really was, and I honestly wanted to – Throwing the agenda to bring up uh, as you know as, as a game to highlight, but I figured uh, we're looking at maybe two teams that go bowling, so I don't know. We'll leave it off, but I like that. Like you mentioned Illinois' defense looking like shit. That was their pride and joy last year. So to see that, I I, I love that pick. I love that pick. Uh, for my next one, speaking of dying on hills, give me the Red Raiders plus six and a half. They're at home. It's showtime. I don't give a fuck. This Oregon team is not what people say they are. I'm dying on this Red Vader Hill, going back to the well. If they burn me here, I may not take them again. Texas Tech plus six and a half. Oh, and we're both going to die on that hill, Gav. (laughs) Now, I know what a lot of y'all are out there thinking right now. Jasper, you haven't picked a single team in the top 25. Surely your last pick of the week has to be a matchup featuring, featuring a ranked team. Wrong. It's ASU Moneyline. Jalen Rashad looked great in week one. Give me the Sun Devils at home versus depleted Oklahoma State squad. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. And there's there's been some, you know, uh, what's it called? 
people riding off the Sun Devil team. They suck. There's there's the self-imposed uh, violations or sanctions. I like that. Home dogs. You know, I love my home dogs, especially earlier in the season against a team that didn't look great last week. Love that pick, Jasper. I think that's a potential 3-0 slate for you. Myself, on the other hand, I'm taking a lot of risks, and I am staying in the top 25, and I am sticking with my gut, and I am firing Tulane plus 7.5. Get it now before it goes to 6.5, because they could very well lose by 7. Uh, but, as I mentioned, I think they're going to get after Jackson Dart. I think Michael Pratt is the real deal, and I love them at home. Tulane plus 7.5, cover the touchdown. Ole Miss may very well win by seven, but guess what? That's a win for the gamblers. So Tulane plus seven and a half. That's my third and final pick. Let's rock and roll, Jasper. My favorite pick of the week, though, is that under in the Utah Baylor game. That's going to be a multiple unit play for me. I I simply don't understand that line. Yeah, you have at least one winner out there. Obviously, you got to take risks in this world, especially in college football. You never know what's going to happen, but I think we're looking at another pretty good week. So let's wrap up college football and head over to the NFL now. And Gav... We finally made it to week one, man. All the storylines, all the fucking waiting. And yeah, man, I'm ready to get after it. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. And, you know, I, I texted you yesterday. I was putting together this agenda. And uh, we'll, we'll get to the 49 Steelers game here in a sec. But I was like, oh, Nick Bosa might not be playing. And literally five minutes later, he gets paid. So <laughs> I think that's that's one storyline to look at this week is uh, the new highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Uh, and how they match up with uh, Kenny Two Gloves and company down there in Pitt. Yeah, five years, 170 million, absolutely crazy. So well, let's have some of the sneaky fun games coming your way this Sunday. And first, we got to break down Bengals at Browns. This AFC North matchup to start the season is packed with storylines. Will Joe Burrow be healthy? Can Deshaun Watson return to the Pro Bowl player we saw on the Texans? And I like the Bengals to come out and make a statement in Week One, covering that two and a half spread and cementing themselves as Super Bowl contenders. Uh, see, I, I put this on the agenda because I don't know how I feel about this game. I, I just talked at length on the uh, on the college football side of things about going on the road early in the season and how difficult that can be. Um, I believe the Bengals lost a similar game to this in week one last year uh, as, as a road favorite early on in the season. My concern with this Bengals team this year is durability. I mean, we already saw Joe Burrow and the uh, the Achilles, not, not was it Achilles or ankle problems? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hamstring are, you know, in, in preseason. But you mentioned it. I'm looking for the Browns to come out and return to what we thought the Browns were going to be all along. That's Pro Bowl to Sean Watson. Uh, you know what you're getting from Nick Chubb, the most explosive running back in football right now, in my opinion. Uh, the defense is going to be great. This game could get really physical, real physical, real fast. And if that's the case, I tend to side with the home team. I know people are going to call me crazy for that, but I'm leaning Browns here, but I expect a real physical, real low-scoring game. Uh, the Bengals offense will get going. I just don't think it's in week one. Don't be wrong. I like the physical physicality take, but I think the Bengals defense is predicated on physicality. So I still really like them to make this game close, even if it does get to that. But I think I'm still around with Joe Burrow or Deshaun Watson. I don't really know what Deshaun Watson is going to look like. And you mentioned like week one offense is getting going. I think it's going to take a week or two for the bang or for the Browns to at least find their stride. Yeah, you could be well be right there. Um, we'll see. There's far more exciting games in the slate, but certainly, you know, we we talk about the AFC North being a very, very, very exciting uh, division this year, as it will be because both the Ravens and the Steelers will also be good. So this is our first taste of that division action, and I'm excited for it. 
Yep. Jumping over to another division, we got the Jags and the Colts taking on each other down and or up in Indianapolis. The Jags come into the year hungry with high expectations. They begin the season with a chance to handle business against the new look Colts squad and make a statement. I'm excited to see Anthony Richardson get out there and make plays, but I expect Trevor Lawrence to come out firing on all cylinders. Calvin Ridley gets a chance to shake off the rust. I want to see the Jags handle business in week one and get a solid win to open the season. That's what I want to see also. To be frank, I don't know if I'm going to see it. Also, the line movement on this game is kind of weird to me. I Three or four years ago, this would have been a six to seven point spread. It opened at three. It's now at five. And it's because of what you just mentioned. The Jags should come out firing. They should make a statement and win. Hey, we are the team to beat in the AFC South. Last year was not a fluke. We got our QB. We got our head coach. We're building around them. We're going to be a staple in this conference for a long time. The Colts, on the other hand, they're going to come out and say, hold on a second. This is still Indianapolis. This is our home turf. This was our division. It can still be our division. We're still here. I'm just excited to see this week one divisional matchup with the home underdog. And that's, you know, the reason I put both these on the agenda. Uh, I think these games are going to be a lot closer than people give credit for. Um, Week one, it's tough to pull away in week one to begin with, but especially in your division, especially on the road. To to be a successful week for the Jaguars, they they need to come out and stomp the Colts. If the Colts keep this game close, though, it's a huge win for them. You know, AR-15 plays well. Um, the defense maybe steps up a little bit. Shaq Leonard and company cause some damage. Don't write off Indianapolis. That's all I'm going to say about this game. Do not write them off. Yeah, and I'll preview this game more when we get to our picks for the week. But we got to jump into the big game of the week, and that is tonight's battle between the Lions and the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs week has gone from bad to worse with Chris Jones still holding out and now Travis Kelsey out with the hyperextended knee. The Lions, on the other hand, have to deal with the new aura surrounding this team, and that aura is expectations. Yeah, something that Detroit hasn't had in a very long time. And, you know, every time that I want to get excited about this team coming into the season, I have to remind myself, it's the Lions. Like, you know, it's like it, it's like saying, oh, it's it, it's the Jets or it's the Cowboys. Like, they'll never be good. Uh, it, it It's the Lions. So what I'm looking for in this season, the first game of the season, obviously, so just excited the football's back. Um, the Lions finished last season at 8-2. and two. They've won eight of the last 10 games. They're looking to build off of that. They've got a revamped backfield. Uh, Their entire secondary departed, and they revamped that, bringing in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and company. Um, So I'm looking at those two areas of their team first and foremost tonight. On the flip side, the Chiefs, you mentioned it, no Chris Jones is a huge deal. Um, People listening, the Chiefs have zero Super Bowls without Chris Jones. He is the heart and soul of that defense um, they're looking to come out and defend their title on home turf. I'm having trouble picking a side in this game because Chris Jones does make that big of an impact. But, you you know, you're looking at two teams that are coming out for very different reasons. This is a prove-it game for the Lions. Hey, last season was not a fluke. We're looking to build on last season. Where the Chiefs are saying, we're still the Chiefs. We're the best team in football. Uh, the Super Bowl runs through us. So excited for this game. Excited for the kickoff. And simply can't wait to sit down and watch the fan, to be honest. Yeah, same here. And I don't know if there's such thing as a foundational loss, but if there is, the Lions get it tonight by keeping this game close with Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things and eking out a win against for his depleted squad. Yeah, I'm looking at this line. It opened at Chiefs minus six and a half. It's currently at Chiefs minus four and a half. 
And if Travis Kelsey gets ruled out, that line will go down to two and a half. I can guarantee you that. Um, but again, it's it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at Arrowhead Stadium. It's so hard to go against them just in that environment. But I, I can't get over this Chris Jones thing, man. Four and a half is a little short for me, but man, I wish I had lined to six and a half because that's that that would be a play and a half tonight. But like you just said, Mahomes at Arrowhead, tough to go against. I'm just excited to watch the football, man. Yeah, this is one of those nights where I think you just close the DraftKings app, grab a beer, and just sit back and enjoy football. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Jumping over to another game that has our interest peaked this week, and that is the Niners at the Steelers. And boy, has this line been jumping, Gavin. It's already down to Niners minus two last I checked. Yeah, open to minus three, down to minus two. And guess what? It's because people, like ourselves, really believe in the Steelers team. Um, This is going to be our first look at Pat Pete and Joey Porter out there on the edges at cornerback for the Steelers. That will give this defense a much-needed boost, a defense that was already decent last year. They're going to be great this year. Going to be great. And, Jasper, if there is a betting strategy that is more profitable than Mike Tomlin as a home underdog, find it for me. Because I don't know if it exists. He's he's just incredible at, at you know, as, as a home dog. Um, I was really, really, really looking forward to shitting on the Niners, especially as, as a Seahawks fan. Um, because Nick Bosa wasn't going to play. He's obviously going to play now. He got paid, so I can't do that anymore. However, this is our first look at Brock Purdy as a bona fide starter for this team. Everyone across the country is saying, oh, we know what he can do. I don't know what he can do. He played five regular season games last year, plus two playoff games on a loaded roster, and then he got hurt. And, Jasper, you and I both played baseball growing up. Torn UCLs? That's not that's not a, a minor injury. This guy has an elbow that is fucked up. I don't care if it's surgically repaired. I am really, really concerned for how his durability holds up throughout the season. Um, and in, in week one, especially against the Steelers team and TJ Watt on the edge that's gonna be coming after him. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned the UCL, man. I don't know how that shit's gonna pan out. Obviously, we see a lot of pitchers in the MLB tear the UCL and come back throwing harder. So maybe that's the best case for Brock Purdy there. But I think this game divulges into a slugfest fast. And we saw the Niners lose in week one last year. It's okay for them to lose in week one. They'll bounce back. Their offense is too good to let one game get to them. But yeah, I mean, the quarterback situation is scary. There's no way around it. I mean, if Brock Purdy's not the guy, you got to turn to Darnold. And Darnold has to be the guy because you gave up on Trey Lance. So I really don't know what to expect in this one. I think, obviously, you said it's hard to root against Mike Tomlin on the at home. But, yeah, give me a slugfest in week one. Two great defensive matchups. I think both of these teams match up really well against each other. And it's just going to be fun. Let's see if let's see if Kenny Two Gloves is uh, improved. Let's see if the Niners offense is ready for Brock Purdy era. But, yeah, I, I really don't know what this game's going to look like. It's, you, you hit it. It's, it's going to be a slugfest. That's absolutely what it's going to look like. Um, now, don't get me wrong. The Niners are better than the Steelers at pretty much every position on the depth chart, but it's not head and shoulders better. It's just slightly better. And guess what? The Steelers being at home with Mike Tomlin, for me, takes that edge away completely. This gave a toss up uh, in Pittsburgh. I like the Steelers, to be honest. And like you said, a week one loss to the Niners doesn't mean shit. They'll improve. It's just tough to go on the road in week one, especially against a uh, Steelers team that is going to take steps forward this year. 
Absolutely. Jumping over to two teams that we both expect to take steps forward this year as well. We got a matchup between two scumbag fan bases in week one with the Bears and the Packers. Both teams coming into the season with question marks at QB, whether it be the mystery of Jordan Love or the expectations for Justin Fields to step up as a passer. What are you feeling in this game, Gavin? I'm feeling like this is the chance for the Packers to come out and prove me right <laughs> because you know all of the Packers this year. Um, they've got the best defense in the division. They've got, with the Lions, the well, top two O-line in the division. And they've got far and away the best running back room in the division. Like, don't, don't give me this Jameer, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery bullshit. It's Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and it's not even close. Um, Jordan Love doesn't need to be anything. Packers fans are so used to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre that they've had quarterback play, stellar quarterback play, for three consecutive decades. Packers fans, get used to it. You're not going to have stellar quarterback play. But guess what? That's not going to be the definition of your team this year. It's going to be Matt LaFleur drawing up some interesting offensive schemes, using A.J. Dillon, using Aaron Jones behind this great offensive line, and scoring points that way. I'm looking forward to another physical matchup because on the flip side, I love what the Bears did this offseason. Going out and picking up T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, that defense is going to be scary with those two in the middle right there. That's PFF's number five and number six rated linebackers in the NFL potentially looking at the best linebacking core in football right now, they're going to have an immediate impact. To me, this game comes down to what is Justin Fields? What do we get out of him? Does DJ Moore open up this offense? Is it more explosive now? If the Bears can hold on to the football, I think they'll win this game. But if the Packers' defense comes out and gets takeaways and if their offense controls the tempo, the Packers win this game handedly. You're absolutely right. You've been in the nail on the head with everything. Especially with the Packers cornerback room, we are going to get a great idea of what Justin Fields is as a passer. I like this game because it's going to answer a lot of our questions about both these offenses. We both know what these defenses are capable of, especially with the additions the Bears made in the offseason with Edwards and Edmonds. I'm also excited, as you said, to see what this new look LaFleur offense brings out in the post-Rogers era. We both expect it to be a run-heavy squad. The Bears are prepared for that. Let's see which quarterback can now duel the other. Yep, and that's precisely what it is. And I think uh, Vegas and other betters across the country are kind of agreeing with us. It opened up at Bears minus two and a half. It's currently at Bears minus one. And the under, the overrunner total has dropped two points. So Vegas expects a slugfest. We expect a slugfest. And I'm I'm here for it. This game will be a pick em by Friday. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You're correct. Now we got another match, and it's a battle of underperformers down in L.A. this weekend with the Dolphins visiting the Chargers. Now, I was thinking about it last night, and I never really realized just how similar these two squads are. You got good but unproven QBs, you got elite wide receiver cores, and you got great defenses. Now, currently, they have the Chargers at minus three, which I think Vegas hit this one exactly right. If I'm a better out there, I'm avoiding this line at all costs. <laughs> well, don't. Don't, don't preview our picks too early because, you know, I might not be avoiding this line. Simply because if you go back to our uh, AFC preview, you know I love this Dolphins team. And it comes down to can Tua stay healthy? Although, even saying that out loud, I don't believe that Tua and healthy belong in the same sentence. But, like I said during the preview, Mike McDaniel, Vic Fangio. That's the story of this Dolphins team for me. Offensive play calling, defensive play calling, in my opinion, best in the league. And that's that. That's going to be what what this Dolphin team is all about. They've got explosiveness everywhere, an explosive front seven on defense um, with Xavier Howard and the imminent return of Jalen Ramsey in a month or two here. Um, 
they're going to be good. They're going to be good. And then you look over to the Chargers side of things. The Chargers, the Chargers. I mean, you 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 got Justin Herbert. You got great wide receivers. You got a, a defense that's, you know, it's decent. And you got Brandon Staley, which is, <laughs> which, you know, everything I said about the Chargers on paper, you know, up, 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 up. Brandon Staley just brings it all right back down. He's so bad. The only reason they're favorite here is because they're at home. If Miami was at home, this line would be literally flip-flop. It would be Miami minus three, Chargers plus three. It, it's going to be an explosive game. And I, I I do think a lot of points get scored here. I think this is the only game on this NFL slate where the over-under is set above 50, and rightfully so. Oh, pardon me. The 53 tonight with the Lions and Chiefs. But those are two explosive offenses also. Like you said, these two teams are so similar on paper. Um, I'm looking at, you know – for, for me, this is a game where I'm looking for the Dolphins to come out and make a statement just because I love this team. I think the Chargers are going to be the Chargers again. They'll go 11-6 and six and lose in the first round, but I really, really do expect Miami to take steps forward this year. Yeah, same here. I think the Chargers still do have the edge in the running game, just Miami's injuries in the backfield. But as you said, this game's going to be all about points. I don't expect a lot of – despite like how good these defenses are, I don't expect a lot of defense to be played – I think this game is honestly to come down to who protects the football better. I think we're going to see one quarterback make a bad interception late in this game, and that'll be the decider. I lean Chargers right now, but you can never tell Braden Staley. That might be the, if not like a turnover, turnover on downs, because this guy just loves, he's addicted to going for it on fourth down. <laughs> he loves it, man. Going for it on fourth is a drug for that guy. He can't get over it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that kind of wraps up my thoughts on the Chargers. You got anything else in this game? Nah, that's it. It's 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 a weird one and one that I threw on the slate because it's so weird and teams are so similar. Um, but I mean, you know, you, you look around the rest of the NFL slate and this is a matchup of two potential playoff teams and you don't see that very much on on the rest of these games. So um, as, as a fan, tune in and watch teams that their ceiling's so high with their floor is also so low. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to love weird games of week one. Is this an afternoon game or? An, um... Yeah, yeah. 325 game. Oh, perfect. That is exactly where that game should be scheduled. <laughs> yeah, perfect, man. All right. We got to send it over to New York, though, for the final two games on the slate, starting with Cowboys at Giants with the big question here being after all the offseason drama, can this Giants offense produce the same level they did last year? Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a storyline game for both teams it's you know we know what we're getting out of this Giants defense they're going to be good apparently they got Leonard Williams up front Dexter Lawrence they're going to be solid um Saquon got his back now go out there and perform alongside Daniel Jones um I'm in, I'm intrigued to see uh this Jalen Hyatt and Paris Campbell combo for the Giants at the, at the wide receiver position uh, especially against the Cowboys secondary which is good but torturable with uh Gilly and Diggs out there on the outside on the flip side, look at Cowboys. The storyline there is, is it finally their year? And it has to be if you want this team to be a success. We need to see Dak have a great game, first and foremost. He's come out and set the tone as the leader of this team. Um, it's going to be our first chance to see Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore uh, wearing that Cowboys star. For both teams here, you need a win. You need a win if you're both teams. For the Giants, you're at home at MetLife. You got your biggest rival coming in week one in prime time. You want to defend home turf. No way you lose this football game. And for the Cowboys, it's precisely the same thing. You're going on the road against a team that you expect to beat, a team you expect to be better than, and it's a tone-setting game. This game could get chippy, Jasper. Could get very, very chippy. I'm excited for it. Potentially my favorite game on the slate this week. And 
I'm all about them boys this year. I love this team. I think it is Dak's year. Uh, it needs to be, like I said, so many storylines. It's it's just hard to pinpoint one. No, absolutely. And I love that this is the game that they put on Sunday Night Football because it like the NFC East is going to be the best division in the NFC, hands down. And the fact that we get two teams with a lot of storylines coming in this game is going to be awesome. But you mentioned it, Dak. I think the Cowboys still have an advantage with this Cowboys team. They're going to be good. I mean, as we think, they're like they're 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 going to be the biggest challenger to the Eagles this season. And I think Dak has a chance to really show what he's got because the Giants are currently starting two rookies at corner. So we're going to really see if Dak can throw this football and take advantage of. I mean, the Giants' defense is good. Don't get me wrong, but a weakened secondary. Yep. And I think that's what we're going to see is Dak come out and do Dak things. Well, the good Dak thing is he has bad Dak things too, but uh, I want to see him have a good game. He needs to have a good game. Like the Cowboys a lot here, definitely lean that way. And I think the Giants are due for some regression too. Yeah. And I mean, he needs to perform well because he's also your quarterback in fantasy. <laughs> I forgot about that, man. <laughs> I really do have all faith in Dak this year. All right. Don't let me down, Mike McCarthy. Come on. I'll let you down. We'll let you down. All right. Wrapping up our breakdown this week with the primetime matchup. We got the Bills and the Jets in New York on 9-11. And before we get into this, a little bit of an oversight by the NFL putting the Jets on 9-11. Is it an oversight or is it precisely what they wanted to do? I don't know. But, um, you know, m- m- mixed feelings there. Um, certainly stirs up some emotions for uh, for all New Yorkers and all of America. I shouldn't say all New Yorkers. Um, sad day um, in America in general. But moving past that and looking at the football game itself, A.A. Ron's debut in MetLife. I mean, doesn't get more excited than that. Great booking by the NFL primetime games. Let's forget the exact date of the game for a sec, but going back to New York and back to Doc Knights, I think is phenomenal. Um, And how did the Jets perform in primetime against the AFC East, you know, perennial powerhouse in the past five years? Absolutely. And I mean, you got this Jets offensive line, which I'm still not buying against the Bills squad that's desperate to prove themselves that they can get after the passer. I know we spent all offseason doubting the Bills, but I still believe Josh Allen, this offense, give me the Bills by two scores and a statement win breaking into a tough schedule. I just don't think like Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, there's just so much new about this offense. I think they're going to lack cohesion to start, especially on the offensive line side. I'm not buying Mekhi Becton one bit. Sure. And you said, you know, we 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 talk shit about the Bills. I don't know if we talk shit about them, but we mentioned their margin for error is a lot slimmer, which is a fact. And this is a great way to prove, hey, we know our margin of error is slim and we're not going to we're not going to fuck up. Uh, I love the Bills by two scores pick. Um, they, they need to come out and make a statement because if you come out there and, and you lose the Jets week one, oh, man, does that set the tone for the rest of the year? Uh, we need to see how they my, my biggest thing with the Bills, I want to see how the defense looks without uh, Tremaine Edmonds in the middle. I think that's a huge loss for them, uh, but one that they can overcome. And we know how the offense is going to look. They're going to put up points. Statement game for both teams. If the Jets keep it close, I think that's a win for them. They don't have to win this game. They need to keep it close. But the Bills need to come out and say, we are still a team to beat in the FC East. Absolutely. And I think yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, man. Big game for both teams. Aaron Rodgers, all the pressures, all the offseason hype. We're going to see him come out and play decent, I think. I think this offense is going to get going in the second half. It's going to be all Bills first half. They'll make a little run at him, but I think the Bills hold off. I like that pick a lot. Yeah. Speaking of picks we like, let's jump into some of them for the weekend, and I'll let you take the floor here first, Gav. Well, I'm going to go right back to the well. We're just talking about it. Bills minus two and a half. That's kind of ridiculous to me. They should be at least a field goal favorite. 
Vegas and the rest of America are giving the Jets way too much credit. Uh, Buffalo minus two and a half. Place it now and forget about it before it goes above three. Um, yeah, Buffalo by at least a touchdown. I like that one a lot. My first pick of the week is Commanders minus seven. This offense is going to be explosive, and the Bucks begin their trend towards last in the league with a week one embarrassment at the hands of Washington. <laughs> uh, you mean you mean the Cardinals? Cardinals are playing them. Uh, seven is a, seven is a few a few too many points there, considering the Commanders aren't phenomenal. Uh, I would tend to stay away from that game. Six and a half, I don't hate. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I almost I almost lean Arizona there. But we, you know, week one, I just hate taking more than a field goal in week one. It feels so weird to me. I just think Sam Howell's arm is gonna be a difference maker in that game. It could be. And the the Cardinals, I don't think they're making a secret. They're tanking. Like they want Caleb Williams. They're not trying to win football games, but they'll they'll sneak their way to two or three wins somehow. Yeah. Uh my second pick. Fuck the points. I know they're a one-point dog right now. Just give me the money line. Green Bay is not losing to fucking Chicago this week. Uh, Jordan Love's going to come out, and he's going to be a great handoff guy. Handoff, handoff, handoff. Justin Fields is going to make mistakes. The Packers are going to win. The Bears are going to lose. Packers money line week one. Give it to me. And I'm right there with you. That was my second pick as well. Jumping over to another game that we mentioned earlier, Jags minus five. Another one here where Vegas, I think, is underestimating the squad. I think they win this game handedly, probably by two scores if everything goes right. Because I, I, I don't trust Anthony Richardson to protect the football just yet. Maybe later in the year when they face each other again. But, yeah, I still like the Jags in this one. I think this offense and Doug Peterson are looking to make a statement in this game, and they're going to come out firing. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, well, don't like it a lot. I like it. I lean that way. Definitely lean that way. But as I mentioned, it's tough to go on the road week one and win by a score or two. Uh, before I get my third pick, I want to give some honorable mentions because Vegas is just so fucking sharp that it's 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 so hard to find an edge sometimes. But Steelers plus two, honorable mention. I like Steelers plus three. I don't like Steelers plus two. That's all I'm going to say there. Uh, on the same kind of topic there. Cowboys minus three and a half. I don't like that. I like Cowboys minus two and a half. For that reason, I'm staying away and going with my third and final pick. I I hate that these words are about to come out of my mouth. I really do because it pains me to say it. Rams plus five and a half against my Seahawks. And here's why. I know the Rams have no Cooper Cup. And I know that beyond that, their talent offense is so thin. And on defense, the talent beyond Aaron Donald is so thin. But guess what? I follow my Seahawks like a freaking hawk. We have no Jamal Adams, which honestly might be a good thing, but whatever. No Jamal Adams. No Devin Witherspoon. No Jackson Smith and Jigba. Long story short, some of our impact players are not playing in this game. And that's going to be a huge deal. The Rams at five and a half. It's a division matchup. They always play us tight. Matthew Stafford's back. And, you know, he, he's, he's not Matthew Stafford of old, but he's Matthew Stafford. Sean McVay still knows how to run an offense. And I do expect the Seahawks team to play down to their opponents for most of the year because that's what we fucking do. Uh, also, we have new additions to the offensive line, and I think those will take time to settle in. And then on the defensive side of things, like I just said, no Devin Witherspoon, no Jamal Adams. And uh, it's, it's going to take some time for the defense to adjust also. Give me the Rams at the points in Seattle. 
I like the pick. There's no emotion in making money, and that is why I am giving out Raiders plus three and a half. No, I'm joking. Uh, I like the over in that game. Raiders-Broncos, over 44 points. Both these teams are going to score. It's a little low for me. I think this game could easily get to 28, 27 range. Um, yeah, because I don't I don't like to pick the Raiders in week one to win. I think this squad is – I mean, man, do I, though? I'm so back and forth on this team. I'm going to be a flip-flopper on this team all year because that's what they are. We're going to be a flip-flopping team. One week we're going to come out and impress you. The next year it'll look like dog shit. So, yeah, give me the points in the Broncos-Raiders game. I like the picks we came up with. And, man, like I said, Vegas is so goddamn sharp, man. It's hard to find an edge sometimes. Um, so, so we'll see how we fare. I know we're off to a hot start in, in college football, so let's keep it keep it hot with NFL. Yeah, man, we're lucky they don't know college football, but I think they got this NFL slate pretty covered here. They got it covered so well. Yeah. So we'll see you guys later, or we'll see you guys Sunday night for our little breakdown of all this games and all this action. Hopefully we get some wins on the gambling card. We're taking a couple of risks this week. But, yeah, see you all later.